0: We essentially came out to lunch, and we had just sat at the lunch table. One of my colleagues got a phone call, and then everybody started getting a phone call, and then uh, it became clear that there was something going on in this 14 Riverside, which was a complex where wine. So it, 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 it always it, it always felt like a horror movie that was sort of playing out on WhatsApp you know, down to the trail of communication going dead and so on. So we were kind of clear we had lost about six people, and we knew who we had lost and where we had lost them and how. You know, we were following this on WhatsApp. You you have a, you have a sense of reality what actually happened.
1: You know, there's these are people's parents, you know, these are people's you know, their family members, the cousins, the relatives, the aunties mm-hmm. and the uncles um, of people. Yeah. How do you navigate that as a CEO? What's up, everybody? My name is Benjamin. I'm the founder and CEO of NALA. I'm really excited today on our Build Our Africa speaker series. We have Ken Jiroge, the co-founder and former CEO of Selling Out. karibu Asanti. Asante. I'm very happy to have you here in the office. Ken is somebody I've looked up to uh, for many, many years. I've read about him, you know, for the early days when I was starting in payments in my own journey. And today's actually the first time we've ever met. So yeah. really excited to, to be with you today. Um, as Nala, we've been working with Celiland in multiple African markets, and they've been a great partner for us for all the business that work that we've been doing in these countries. And it's really happy to, to meet uh, one of the co-founders behind the vision and setting everything up at, at Celiland. So Karibu sana.
0: Asante, yeah, and uh pleasure to meet you as well. I've uh, followed Nala's journey the last couple of years mm-hmm. and then recently very excited that you partnered with us at Cellulant uh, with Akshay and David and, and, the, and the team there. And mm-hmm. uh, so happy to be supportive uh, of each other's growth, growth Asante. journey. Yeah. Asante, so, so you come out to Ngeki Swahili, Leo, Aokinkereza, <laughs> we can
1: balance it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, today what I would wanted to talk about is is your journey in in building i know you've you've done many many talks around the world in different universities from you know harvard to different places and different you know lectures that you've given but one of the things i'd love to understand and discuss today is is your journey on the personal side really understanding what it's like to build a company because there's a large human element i believe a lot of people miss out as 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 a as a co-founder and a ceo of a business right yeah and um what I'd love to spend time today is just understanding that a little bit more. But let's start with the background today. Where's home originally for you?
0: Yeah, actually, home is, um, is Nakuru. Nakuru is a town that's uh, sort of two hours away from Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a um, sort of, peri- uh, you know, a good blend between urban and rural. I think it's grown over the last uh, few years towards the city, but it, it was essentially sort of very rural setting. So Mm. after high school, so I did all my schooling there and then came to Nairobi uh, for university. And uh, Nairobi certainly was very intimidating, Mm -hmm. Uh, intimidating city, very tall buildings, Mm -hmm. very fast-paced people. Uh, It just felt uh, that uh, you needed to notch up uh, uh, to sort of be able to thrive in this city where you, as a a rural boy, you knew no one. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and then I got into Nai- Nairobi. I was very fortunate, very early on in the sort of my gap year, gap two, we, we had typically two gap years between mm-hmm. high school and uni. Mm-hmm. And in those two gap years, I got a scholarship to study, uh, computers at, uh, Strathmore University. So at that time it was a college. Now it's become one of the big universities in mm-hmm. Nairobi. And, um, and during my, the gap year, it was essentially sort of passing time you know, to resume my sort of eventual university studies or uh, in the School of Medicine to study pharmacy. Mm. Um, so, yeah. but, but that accidental uh, journey yeah. got, got me in, in, in a lot of exposure to computers. I fell in love with computers, a lot of exposure to... We had a couple of lecturers who bring magazines of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and so on. And, and that life seemed quite exciting. So, when I... You know, went, went across, after two years of doing that and going across to pharmacy school, it was essentially very foreign. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't last that long. <laughs> uh, I failed my first year, actually. Very difficult thing because um, mm. I, I, I was always a good student. Yeah. So I'd never seen failure. I think that was the first time that I did. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, I think after sort of another semester of, of, of a lot of soul searching, just came to the conclusion that I actually loved computers more.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, so my, I tried actually to switch uh, to the computer science faculty at the yeah. University of Nairobi. But at that time, it was very difficult. I could not carry a lot of credits that are done through Strathmore. Mm. So when I did the math, it just meant that I'd probably lose a couple of years of life. Oh, man. And, uh, and then just uh, took a tough decision to, to sort of uh, to, to quit University of Nairobi. Went back to Strathmore uh, for about a year of study. Um, and then uh, I considered myself sufficiently educated to go into the market. And I did, uh, I worked for uh, some of the startup ISP. So in a sense, mm-hmm. I mean, we call them startups now, but they were yeah. essentially, uh, sort of pioneering the connectivity into the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was fantastic. You had access to the internet. Yeah. I could see the internet exploding and entrepreneurship exploding in other parts of the world. Yeah. And coupled with the love for computers, coupled with sort of just the burning uh, desire to be something and Mm -hmm. to build something Mm -hmm. uh, with great meaning. Mm. Where does that come Uh, from for you? I think I think it comes from upbringing. Uh, So I grew up in a single parent uh, home. So in a sense, you as you grow in a single parent home, you go through a lot of struggle. Right. Like, I mean, actually, you know, life through struggle. Uh, everything, you, everything, going to school, paying school fees, everything a struggle. And I think over time, um, and, and my mom was an was iron lady, and she drilled a lot of values. And so throughout the struggles, uh, a, a couple of messages are always very clear, that mm. you have to strive to be the best. Mm. Uh, there's no room for second place. Uh, it's the only way that you actually make progress. And so I think I came out of that experience uh, with a competitive advantage. Uh, I, I, I was fairly tough, mm. uh, very resilient, uh, and, 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 with a strong set of values really drilled by, by a very clear minded single mom. Mm. Um, so, so I think I came out ambitious, right? And, uh, <clears throat> what happened uh, between discovering computers and, and some of my exposure in the early career, uh, defined what that ambition could be in terms of size, in terms of scale, in terms of how it looked and felt. And so throughout uh, Strathmore, I, you know, got into programming Mm -hmm. and through the sort of exposure to the Internet, uh, began to see other sort of techie entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. like the Netscape founders and all of those sort of building really Mm -hmm. interesting technology companies. So Mm -hmm. and then went on into the early ISPs and sort of began to see the sort of the first early phases of startups, mm. uh, I mean, Africa Online for, uh, for one, yeah. which was also built and co-founded by fairly young people and then expanded mm. across Africa, yeah. uh, uh, ended up acquiring three mice and, and spent some time uh, in, in that uh, organization and see these young founders wow. sort of dreaming, being audacious and expanding across Africa and said, mm-hmm. well, wow, mm-hmm. I think this is certainly a life worth living. Yeah. And, and and certainly can be done, right? Mm. Because I mean, you know, <clears throat> are, of mm. course the founders had gone to school in MIT, yeah. Harvard, but uh, you know, having interacted with them, I'm like, hang yeah. on, okay, they're super smart. Yeah. But 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 uh, you like could work hard and, yeah. and and get yourself there. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So my I think I think around that time it was incredibly yeah. well clear yeah. in my mind, burnt in my mind is and yeah. in my heart is desire to sort of build this great thing across yeah. Africa. And build it on on values that I was brought up with. Right. Like no corruption. Yeah. Uh, no no excuses for for mediocre work. Yeah. Um, and and just hard work. I would work everybody else uh, and be resilient and be patient over a very long time. Mm-hmm. How how did
1: like this idea of not even idea, but like this push to start selling on come like how old were you like where like talk to me about just the beginning days.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Cellular evolved, right? So first was, a, I think it was a desire to start a company of a certain scale. Uh, I think by the time that I, as, as, as far back as 97, uh, so I, f- I finished my high school in, in 92. In uh, 97, I was about 22. Uh, so as far back as 22, I knew that I wanted to start a company. Wow. And I knew that I wanted to start a company that looked like Netscape and that looked like what Steve Jobs had built or what Bill Gates had built, but mm-hmm. I'd seen these guys in magazine articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so with that, we founded Three Mice with the ambition to build it across Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for certain structural reasons, we and, and just also the collapse of a, uh, just sort of a co-founder alignment in terms of uh, just the vision and the future of the business, mm-hmm. uh, Three Mice gen- generally never lived up. to. We built something great. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a fairly well-known brand, and, and to a large extent, actually inspiring. Uh, I, I, I ran into some people who actually were saying, "Wow, we followed months' journey when we were in uni." Mm-hmm. Um, so, so around 2002, it became very clear that the structure and and um, and the partnership wasn't going to be able to scale across Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so but then at that time, for myself, I, transi- I transitioned from writing code to being Typically today, we'd call it a product person. So mm-hmm. you hang out with the sales guys and essentially go meet customers. One of yeah. our customers was Safaricom. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, I, I realized that um, whereas in the internet connectivity world, it was still a dial-up world, mm-hmm. the, um, we were talking about uh, 15,000 dial-up connections, people wow. connected to the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a mobile operator that had, has, from launch, had moved into hundreds and, mm-hmm. and uh, passed a million customers very early in the journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it one day I got an epiphany and said, "Well, wow, mm. looks like everything that you see on the internet will make its way to mobile in one form or another. So that's the place mm. to be." Mm. And so we, I put together a small skunkworks team yeah. within uh, three miles,
2: yeah.
0: and we called ourselves Project Name Cellulant. Okay, wow. uh, And so we started spending afternoons sort of bantering about what could we do in mobile, yeah, and so on. So. As I began to think about transitioning from 3MICE, I, I was still a 50% shareholder of 3MICE. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I came to the conclusion that probably Cellulant was probably where I wanted to spend my time mm-hmm. in the future. Uh, so I <coughs> essentially went to my co-founders at the time and mm-hmm. essentially traded uh, my 50% equity in, in Cellulant uh to just the concept mm-hmm. uh, the 50% equity in 3 mice yeah. for for this Cancox project and and uh and just a an opportunity to talk to the team if they wanted to join me right yeah. and so we did that mm-hmm. um and then around that time I uh, connected with Bolaji who became my co-founder mm-hmm. uh and uh he you met Bo- at 3MICE. Bologi, okay. I met Bolaji in my final year at 3 mice okay um uh, and so at the time, our thinking was that, look, how, how could we expand this to Nigeria? Yeah. Uh, and so we began basically sort of visioning the future of Africa and just thinking about just sharing stories. We so we mirrored a lot of our stories and yeah. uh, and uh, paths mirrored a lot. We connected a lot on values. And so when when so I went, <coughs> I spun off a uh, uh, out of it was just natural that then that we sort of go out and build it together. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of co-founders, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even though I was transitioning from a, a, a partnership that uh, uh, came to an end, I was not very skeptical of partnerships. I was—I I still believe that uh, partnerships are critical to succeed in a very long sort of entrepreneurial journey. So it was natural.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we, with Balaji, I think uh, the thing that we agreed on is that, uh, you know, we could build a billion-dollar business across Africa. The size was very important because we thought that you know, at a billion dollars, nobody can ignore your story and the values you stand for. Mm. So that was always a huge driving force for Cellulant. Yeah. And so we ended up sketching this vision on a Soviet um, mm. of uh, sort of a billion dollar business and mobile services. We hadn't defined what to do in mobile yeah. yet. We had yeah. some ideas, but it wasn't very clear. Yeah. Um, and built by Africans for Africa, yeah. founded on very specific values. I think the most critical value was always no corruption. Mm.
2: Um,
0: yeah. So you could say that that's how Cellulant was born. Yeah. And, and so, so talk to me about like, so for context, for,
1: for people watching, Cellulant's raised well over $50 million uh, in its journey here and you know it's it's one of the largest uh, tech companies on the african continent you operate i believe in over 13 or 14 countries right or maybe 18 including some of the partners you, yeah. you you operate you work with yeah and how do you think about um did you ever see that as something that was happening did you ever see that okay this is coming to fruition like you know I, I, you were there for you know 18 19 years um how did you see that that you know from 2003 till uh, when you stepped down as a ceo do you ever envision it getting as big as how it got?
0: yeah yeah, there was a couple of uh interesting things and 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 um my thinking about that you know was very different at different stages so yeah. I think in the beginning mm. uh I think you know when we sketched the idea on the Soviet, I think it was a sort of very strong internal drive and commitment to actually build something great, yeah. And, you know, to build something great, you have to lay a good foundation. And there's only one chance of building a foundation, right? Yeah. You can not go out and into year five to rebuild the foundation. So yeah. very early on, we started to ask ourselves hard questions about what, how, how does a billion dollar business think about its decision? Think mm-hmm. about how it hires its people, think about its brand and think about how it evolves a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even when we had no money, mm-hmm. like that was always a very Strong foundation. <clears throat> I think we had uh, the conviction, mm. and I think out of out of passion and naiveté, it's a blend of things. Yeah, that uh, there's nothing that was going to stand in our way of building this billion-dollar business, right? Like um, uh, most of my staff normally say in the early interviews. Yeah, uh, you know when they came and they asked me, "Okay, what do you want to build?" Mm. <clears throat> I think David gives this example. Yeah. Very early on. And I came for an interview and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I told him about what we're trying to do. Then he says, so where do you want this company to go? And I looked at him without flinching. I told him I want to build a billion dollar business. And so David's a numbers guy. So he asked me, so how, how, how big are you now? I told him, well, $20,000 a month in revenue. Yeah. <laughs> and he almost laughed. But he, he says when he looked at, uh, he looked into my eyes. Yeah. He realized not a laughing matter, like I'm dead serious. Yeah. And so he realized actually that uh, even in that interview, he wasn't getting interviewed for a job. He was being called to a mission. Mm. So in the early days were incredibly mission driven. And then, you know, as they say, everybody's got a plan. As a great philosopher, Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan (laughs) until until you you get punched in the face. Yeah. So we get into the market. Uh, so we have a, now a concept we actually figured out, actually, we can launch a, 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 a business, the mobile services space that sells ringtones. Okay. and you so find you're selling ringtones is the first product? That, that was our first phase of okay. uh, sort of entry into the market. Okay. And then the regulatory framework isn't there. Yeah. Uh, for, for in the, both in the telco space, yeah,
1: for
0: uh, regulatory framework for music and music copyrights are somewhat a mess yeah. and run by cartels. So they don't basically build the OG Spotify. <laughs> but uh, go on. <laughs> and, uh, and mobile operators are hostile, yeah. right? Uh, they they share as competitors. Yeah. And so for three years, uh, essentially, uh, we are involved in a sort of life and death, near death experiences of sort of battling mm. these sort of structural issues. Mm. And so. Uh, so we move from sort of this uh, mission orientation, mission drive, into this phase of actually trying to get something in the market, mm. and every day is a battle. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and during those days, then you are in huge moments of. I mean, you're. It's basically a lot of uh, determination, but also huge moments of doubt. There are days you wake up and you're like. Ma, are we going to make it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm sure that never ended. That's <laughs> like, how it happens. Yeah, uh, and, and so we, yeah. do, we did that. yeah. Uh, you know, so, and then you know, by the third year, yeah. fourth year, uh, all these things click and, and the, music, uh, the business really takes off.
1: So, so I have a question just on that. So there's probably many founders watching, like let's say here in Nairobi, and they're yeah. probably thinking like, oh, well, like, uh, Ken probably had a lot of money. That's how they got started. And, you know, I have these cool ideas and I have this great vision. I also want to build a billion dollar business, but I don't have the money that maybe Ken had. What yeah. was the what was the, the truth behind that? Was there a lot of money that you had to start with? and Or where did that money come from to like maybe even just pay salaries? Not,
0: a, not at all. I think, um, I mean, the venture angel ecosystem didn't exist. Uh, so for me, actually, it's always a culture shock. And now that uh, the last two years I've spent some time with uh, with with the companies, to see companies with $2 million with an idea, <laughs> uh, and so on. I am not certain, by the way, it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but I respect that, you know, times have changed and so on. And, yeah. and But but actually, at that time, you know, I, m- I mean, on day one of Cellular yeah. we have zero capital. Bology yeah. had a job, right? And you had a credit card. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, of course, you're, t- you're essentially trying to build this company for where there's no template, right? Yeah. And uh, there's no template for how long it's going to look uh, how long it's going to take and so on. So you essentially sort of drive these things day by day. Yeah. So, I mean, if you zoom, zooming back and say, look, certainly it costs money to build a business. Yeah. Somebody has to provide that capital. Uh, so in today's world, you know, angels and VCs provide that capital. In our world, uh, in those days, we got that capital from debt, okay. right? And, and and essentially debt from employees. So basically wow. a lot of the early stuff. The interviews, essentially, you interview them, you grill them to make sure they were fit for purpose and fit for mission. Yeah. And at the end of that interview was always a conversation around, look, okay, what's your expectations? Um, you know, we can't afford that and, and we can't guarantee it. Uh, and the little that we can, we can afford, we can't even guarantee month on month. So wow. you've you got to be sure that that's what you're signing up for. Um, and a couple of the, a lot of the guys who now are running the business, uh, far as the CTO, David and so on, joined in those days. Wow. Um, and, uh, when, when they did, um, they essentially became the first investors in the business, right? Um, my wife now was, was my fiance then was a banker. She had gotten, facilities to buy an apartment early. Also decided that, well, if we're going to get married, I don't need a single lady's apartment. It probably makes sense to invest in this dream because this is what our future is going to be like. So essentially, and then wow. lots of friends and so on. So, so, so really it's a classic, uh, uh case of the staff members bringing the, themselves to the party, uh, friends, family, and so on. Wow. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, by year one, year two, we probably were maybe about $180,000 in those days in debt. Wow. which is pro- which, which probably about $300,000 today. Wow. So um, um, what was good about that uh, is that um, you had to sell the vision to these people, right? That's why they invested. Yeah. Very, very similar to investors that, that, that you would you would do. Um, but I think by doing that, what mm. happens is that uh, because you have to sell the vision to,
2: yeah.
0: uh, to the teams, yeah. uh, the types of people that join very early, mm. They're also mission-aligned and mission-driven. Um, and when I look at uh, cellular in now, mm. um, you know, half the management team mm-hmm. uh, is essentially people who came uh, out of those yeah. very early days, mm. understand the mission, yeah. understand the intricacies of the business. Um, uh, and then it's a blend you know, between a lot of uh, new blood yeah. and a lot of guys who've been there from the very beginning who understand the values of the business and yeah. I think That mix created a a sort of platform for resilience for the business over a very long time.
1: So what specific advice do you have to a founder in that position where they're like, Hey Ken, I'm sure you get reached out to a lot, right? And like, Hey Ken, I have this amazing idea. I don't have the capital for it. What specific advice would you tell that person?
0: I tell them to, to start. Just start.
1: But that's how you can. I don't know how to start. I don't have cash.
0: I need cash. Uh, Then you shouldn't be in business. (laughs) Go and work and find a job. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. If I mean, I can't can't, like I have no words. Yeah. To even try to imagine and to understand somebody who has a great idea and that says, they don't know how to start. Mm. And I, I, I can't, I can't understand that concept. Yeah. yeah. The only concept I have is, is that, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure about the idea? Yeah. Do you have belief in it? Yeah. Um, um. do you, are you committed to the mission behind the idea? Yeah. If you are, you start. Yeah. So. You start where you are with what you have.
1: Yeah. So. You started Cellulant in 2003 um, and have seen so many different things happen across the organization. High moments, low moments, big wins, um, painful moments as well. Um, I read your letter about stepping down in 2021. Mm. Uh, it's something that a lot of us founders read and, you know, about the lion, you know, yeah. and taking, taking a step back and looking for people to drive the business forward and so on. Um, and that was a powerful letter. Hmm. When did you realize that you
0: needed to step down? What was it? Uh, unfortunately, a little too late, actually. I, I think I, the, the business needed a new leadership as far back as
2: 2016.
0: Hmm. Um, I mean, of course, I've had two years to sort of reflect on my journey. Um, and around that time, and so in a sense, my final years of uh, cellulant, I feel, uh, were not as productive as they should have been because um, I was essentially out of my strength, mm. um, and then uh, <clears throat> through a sort of sequence of circumstances, was sort of trapped in time, mm. um, and I and I don't think that particular dynamic uh, enabled me to be as productive as I should have been in mm. in those uh, in those days. I remember one of our investors uh, mm. in 2016; they just invested like a couple of months before. So we had gone for a board meeting, and so you know, so we we we, we stepped out to uh, to have coffee, mm-hmm. and he chatted me up, and he asked me, so Ken, you know what keeps you awake at night? Yeah, <laughs> and he repeated this story to me the other day, and he yeah. told me he almost collapsed because he had just invested, and I, and I was, I was frankly in my mind the biggest thing that kept me awake at night: am I the right CEO for the for mm. this phase? Mm. And this was way back in twenty sixteen. Wow. So what happened then through? A series of, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one we've just gotten new investors, mm-hmm. uh, so you have a duty and responsibility. So you you don't you don't you don't allow that thought to evolve into yeah. its natural conclusion. And then we went through a, a crisis with the collapse of Chase Bank, though, our primary banker, mm-hmm. uh, also our working capital facilities and so on. When the bank collapse sort of dried up,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, that was almost almost killed our business. Wow. Wow. So. We essentially had to cut costs. Uh, I mean, the concept of following we did following and uh, and uh, all of us in the management team basically took an eight month, uh, almost nine month salary break. Wow. Um, with a couple of the guys in the management team as well now. Um, So, so, yeah, you couldn't, I I couldn't entertain that thought. And then then what was on our extended fundraising period 2017, 2018, the markets Mm -hmm. were tough. Yeah. Uh, then we had 2019, the terrorist attack, and then 2020, the Corona year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, towards the end of 2020, we had this crisis in Nigeria, that, and then mm-hmm. my, 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 my co-founder left. Uh, so in a sense, I was sort of uh, a, a classic entrepreneur yeah. trapped, uh, trapped mm-hmm. in a job and completely mm-hmm. out of uh, the, my strength zone. Yeah. I
1: think. So Ken, what is the best part about not being a CEO today?
0: Yeah, well, I, I I have a full night sleep, <laughs> and and, and I'm present in sort you know, sort of, sort of work situations, social situations. Um, so I think uh, I think there was always something buzzing in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and one problem or one opportunity, and so on. So mm-hmm. I I always almost always lost sleep uh, around three thirty four four, 4 p.m. I I just four a.m. never slept beyond that. Mm. I, I now do, yeah. uh, for most, most nights. Yeah. Um, and, and, and presence, right? Like I, even when I was mm-hmm. sort of physically present at home, like on a weekend or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'd stopped working weekends for a while. Mm. But even then my mind would be running, so sometimes my kids would say, "Dad, dad, dad." yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, multiple that, times just yeah, to get your attention. to get,
0: yeah. my, to get yeah. my attention. So I think uh, just having uh, uh, I mean, the CEO transition yeah. was very difficult uh we'll talk a little bit about that yeah but um but uh i think yeah um, I'm probably a lot more relaxed i mean the the challenges of the business yeah. they are more or less the same yeah uh maybe the zeros are different and, yeah. and the actually, and the team are, you yeah. know are, are more than capable and they're driving that yeah Uh, All my wealth is in the business, so so you need to do very well. You would imagine that uh, you know (laughs) structurally I should generally be just as stressed as I was, but somehow sitting you know as a board member, uh, like you can you know discuss all these challenges and then and switch off and (laughs) and somewhat go. That wasn't the case actually sitting on the other side of the the team. uh, I spent some time with them uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, half a morning at the office. Uh, and I, I, I just marveled at how relaxed they felt. Uh, so it was kind of a good vibe. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, okay, wow. This, uh, they they don't look burnt out. They don't look exhausted. They look completely energized for, for the next phase, which was very nice.
1: Uh, yeah. Ken, on January 15th, 2019, uh, was a date that many Kenyans around the world uh, and many people around the world will always remember. It was the Dusseh terrorist attack here in Nairobi, where you lost six of your team members. Yeah. Can you tell me about the moment you found out what was going on? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was difficult. Um, um, I mean, just yesterday I was at uh, at the complex. I, I normally, once in a while I go to the complex, feels like home. Uh, I, I, I don't. Not every, not every day do I have the nerve to go into the, into the, into the building, Cavendish, which where our offices were. I've, I've been since the terrorist attack. I've been there just twice, but I'm always in the complex. Feels like home, but I, I just don't have the courage to go into the building. Uh, so, so when the terrorist attack happened, uh, so myself and the senior team were in Zambia. We had actually just uh, sort of gotten to Zambia the day before. Uh, for sort of kick, the yearly offsite kickoff, right? Like we said, look, okay, uh, 2019 for us was a trans- transformational year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We had just um, uh, closed uh, our Series C funding, uh, you know, September of 2018. So, so this is so essentially we had capital, um, but then then we needed to sort of prepare the business for the, for the next phase of growth, right? Which was essentially payment centric uh, thing. Uh, Zambia is two hours behind Nairobi, so we'd done the morning session. Um, so at a one o'clock Zambia time, uh, 1, 1.10, we essentially came out to lunch and we just sat at the lunch table. One of my colleagues got a phone call and then everybody started getting, getting a phone call and then uh, it became clear that there was something going on in this 14 Riverside, which was a complex where we're um, and I think about about half an hour to one hour, it became clear the nature of the thing that was a terrorist attack. Um, and, uh, essentially our staff, you know, we had a company WhatsApp group. So essentially groups were making their way out and so on. So it was very clear that, uh, this wasn't uh, a, a, a good situation. And then, you know, throughout the afternoon, we went, went probably through the most difficult part, because um a lot of people made made it out but then there was a, a, a group that was still unaccounted for they had never they'd ne- never made made it out of the building and actually we, we you know they started to give us a sense where they were hiding what they were hearing and so on so it, it, it always it, it always felt like a horror movie that was sort of playing out on WhatsApp so by end of that evening I think by six six thirty, uh, we we are deciding. We are very clear what had happened, right? Because right to the last moment, uh, when 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 we lost our colleagues, the you know they had been sending WhatsApps, uh, what were hiding, what were hearing, and 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 also the different groups, um, um, because they <coughs> we lost the different groups in different locations, um, and and. Uh, uh, you know, down to the trail of communication going dead and so on. So we were kind of clear we had lost about six people and we knew who we had lost and where we had lost them and how. Um, And so, you know, as we sort of tried to soak this in, so you feel you're far away, uh, very helpless for us as leaders of the business and so on. And then, you know, sometime at six, we said, look, okay, I, I think we have a good sense what has happened. What's the most important thing for us to do now? And, and then we said, look, I mean, the parents of, of these guys, um, like, I mean, they're probably following this in, through the news, maybe not with as much information as we do, but, 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 but where well, there isn't, and then we scramble, you know, people start to look at HR, HR files. Uh, and, and we make a list of the parents and next of kings and so on. And we divide them up uh, to start making these calls. Um, in, in, incredibly difficult, um, because uh, y- you know that you are always have some hope that that uh, that there's some explanation and probably they're still alive. Uh, but also on the other hand, you know we were following this on WhatsApp. You you have a, you have a sense of reality. What actually happened so and, you know some of the parents thought they were prank calls right uh some of the folks uh, knew that the kids worked somewhere for an it company somewhere in nairobi but uh they didn't know the name of the company or its location uh some of them knew 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 the location but didn't, didn't know the company and so on and so forth uh so that was especially difficult and i I think that period and probably the next one and a half years almost became a plan so for me for most of the guys in the team were sort of walking zombies. Right. So, so one thing I
1: just want to understand is yeah. um, these are people that worked really hard, like yeah. put in a lot of work at the company. Yeah. yeah. You had your head of product. You yeah. had people who, you know, you sat beside every single day at work yeah. and um, you as CEO of this business, you find out um, they're gone. Yeah. And how do you, these people love your business. They love, like, followed your vision as CEO and what you were trying to build.
0: Yeah.
1: How do you take that forward? How do you, how do you sit, you're sitting in Zambia, you find out all this is happening. You obviously want to be back in Kenya. You know, there's these are people's parents. You know, these are people's, you know, their family members, the cousins, the relatives, the aunties and the uncles um, of people. Yeah. How do you navigate that as a CEO? How do you go back to the office and sit there and, it and be Like, all right, guys, we're gonna figure this out. How do you
0: do that? Yeah. I think it's God's grace, right? I mean, I cannot point to at least any sort of conscious thought that I had at that time. Um, so I got on. Um, I got on uh, on the first plane out of Zambia, so we, we essentially so we divided ourselves in a group. A, a b- bunch of us got on the first plane out of Zambia that night. So I got 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 to Nairobi that morning, and then next to the office complex was the university, and and uh, a lot of the uh, uh, parents and so on had gathered there, and and. and uh, you know, I started going out to the parents, introducing myself and, you know, uh, and, and so our staff, um, which was very special, uh, had essentially sort of had this, uh, like ev- everybody, there was a team assigned to each family. And so the different team leaders would sort of work. okay, this is the parents of Senso and so on. And so I, uh, 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 and, and I just didn't know what to say. Um, and so I shook their hand. I didn't know whether to say sorry. I just did not what, know what to say.
1: <clears throat> so Ken, tell me about the time you flew back from Zambia after the attack immediately on the next flight over to Nairobi. Tell me about that conversation with your wife about the attacks. About the
0: attacks? No, I think... Uh, I think everyone was devastated, right? Um, and 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 of course, my wife um, uh, had received a lot of calls. Um, you, you know, because when the attack was in the news in the, in this complex, um, everybody wanted to find out. Uh, everybody called anyone you knew who worked in that complex to find out whether they were okay. So so my wife had sort of been fielding calls uh, uh, for a bit. Um, but she knew, uh, you know, she, you know, we had been married for as long as the company has been alive. So, so my wife was very much, uh, always a part of the cellular story. So she knew, uh, a, a couple of the guys that we lost fairly well. Uh, so it was very devastating. I think, um, it's very, it's, it's, I think you have a feeling of numbness, right? and Dis- Disbelief and the world feels like it's. Like things are moving, but they're moving in slow motion, and 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 you almost walk walking like you're walking in a dream, um, and, and hoping that you know at some point you wake up and it's just a nightmare. Um, so so I started, got, got home, we changed, and then me and her had sort of left, and we already had a couple of uh, friends that had come had come home that morning. And so we went across to um, uh, the university. There, the, there was uh, the hostels, university hostels, where essentially people are gathering just next to the, to the, um, to the 14 Riverside the office complex. And essentially, everybody was sort of waiting for, for news about their loved ones and so on. So people who who generally had been caught in uh, in the building, uh, so. So this was a, essentially the first time that I was meeting uh, face-to-face the parents of the of the, of the the guys we had lost. So it wasn't like from a sort of official police report, it hadn't been confirmed that they had been lost. Um, but a few of the parents, for some bizarre reason, actually had seen pictures of their kids. Um, uh, so our teams had organized themselves so there was a like a group of staff assigned to each other teams. so we walked walked around just saying hello to the parents uh, introducing ourselves and frankly i just didn't know what to say right i mean you know i couldn't say that i'm sorry because that just didn't feel sufficient for the kind of uh pain we all were in and most of them most of all they were wine, right? I I couldn't fathom it. So I just said hello, um, introduced myself. Was introduced um, and, and, and 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 mostly said nothing, and and for and just I just hung out there and and and, and just said nothing. I, I I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to tell them. Um, but at some point, one of the <coughs> moms of uh, one of the young ones that was lost, and her, she still had another son that worked at Seliland. um and, you know, just told me, look, it's, Ken, it's going to be fine, uh, and, and for her, she said, you know, for me, you know, God gave me this uh, guy for, I think, 20, 21 years. I think he was about 21 years old. Um, so who am I to question him, you know, when he takes him away? Uh, and, and uh, in the and in the manner, it takes him away, so it's going to be okay and And I just could not understand having gone through that that situation, that somebody would have that calmness, that grace and so on and I think it's, uh I think he gave us, us the strength that look, we have to be calm and strong for each other and uh, we 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 beyond know, that essentially where the strength was so i think for me it just inspired me to to i can't say lead in that time but to just be vulnerable right and, and always say look guys how are you guys doing um and uh, every time you know sometimes the staff would, would you know because we were all sort of scattered so every, so um we couldn't go back to the office again so essentially so and uh uh, there was already a, there was a team that was doing disaster recovery that already shipped from other countries. They'd organized themselves. There was no management memo, right? Like people just figured out, okay, the team in Kenya is going to need support. It was a team of 40. They found an off-site and settled and provided support for customers. And so the team in Kenya essentially didn't, we hadn't organized ourselves around working. So everybody was everywhere. Once in a while, the teams would say, well, well we haven't seen each other together. And so we'd gather uh, together in a space in Westlands um, uh, and then uh, we'd ask ourselves, you know, how are you guys doing uh, and, and they'd ask me, how are you doing and I'm saying, man, it's a fight every day. Uh, sometimes I'm winning, sometimes I'm losing. Um, and, and we kept doing that and, um, and then, you know, eventually we got a group, group therapy sessions and therapists into the mix. Uh, tell me, it seems like
1: you you've talked about your mother a lot and her being a very big influence for you, yeah, can you talk to me about that conversation you had about this with your mother right after the tax?
0: yeah, it's um I think you know this was so devastating, I don't think most people knew what to say right and 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 uh Everybody would always, uh, and my mom would always call and just say, like, how are you doing? All right, are you going to be okay? My, my mom wasn't in the country at that time. Uh, she, she lived and worked in Switzerland for, for many years. Yeah, but, but always, how are you doing? Uh, and, and then sometimes I have strength, sometimes I wasn't doing okay at all and uh, I, I, and uh, and and i think she always reminded me is that you know okay but you know also remember to take care of yourself do you think you've healed from everything that happened there you know frankly i don't think that you heal really from that kind of experience um i i don't think that you do i think um i think you you learn to cope and and you you know and, and basically you have you have a construct that allows you to to not feel as much pain as 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 as, as one did uh, in twenty nineteen twenty twenty. But you uh, but I I don't you don't heal like every time I I uh, you know I look at a policeman with an AK forty seven like it transports me to that day. It doesn't pain as much, but for a couple of minutes you zoom out and you see the faces of the guys, and you imagine, and you replay that afternoon, and and, and you play all kinds of scenarios. You wonder, uh, would it have been different if we as leaders were in the building? Um, uh, you know, every time you will always find, you know, something that, that sort of takes you back in that moment. So, it doesn't hurt as much over time. But it never leaves you. Yeah.
1: How do you motivate a team right after a situation like that?
0: You take care of them uh, without limit. Yeah. I, I I I yeah. You just take care of the team without limit, without boundaries. If it's time they need, you give them time. In. Yeah, uh, if we needed to go out uh, visit the uh, parents, you go out and spend time with them. Um, if they needed financial support, um, you push hard to make it happen. Um, and that's it. I think. I think. I think that I always had the idea that actually, that actually building a... Business was, was sort of caring for you. You know, you care for the people. The people will care for the business. The people will care for the customers. Customers will care for the business. Yeah. And it's cliche, right? Like yeah. it's a thing that you read in business books sometimes. Yeah. But I think in this particular year, yeah, was uh, maybe the year where we practiced that with no, mm. with no filter.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and with no. Competing interests, right? Like, yeah. not, not, in none of our meetings we talk about PNL, our target, nothing, not in yeah. 2019. Wow. Um, yeah. Interestingly, so the business grew, still grew yeah. in that year. And then I think the culture yeah. embedded itself because actually the, the, the people that we lost, the brave six that we lost, essentially were lost um, pulling people out of the business, out of the building. Um, and so, so even in that kind of situation, the values of the business filtered through, yeah. uh, that, uh, you generally take care of your teams first, right? Yeah. Like you're, you always, like we always, we always care for each other first before everything else and sometimes, uh, put our interests be, behind us to, to, to take care of our teams and to take care of the business and, yeah. and that's what happened. So we lost. Uh, leaders that were <clears throat> trying to shield their team mates from danger, uh, and that wouldn't leave their teams behind because they would go back into the building and pull everybody out and go back and pull, pull people out.
1: Let's talk about transitioning to out of Selleland. Um That was a very difficult decision for you to make uh, after 18 years. You know, you've seen this baby from you know beginning all the way to being a full 18-year-old uh, business or baby. Um, how was that? Well, how did you decide that you knew now was the right time? You know, you earlier you talked about all the different sequence of events that happened leading up to this. But when did you know this is the right
0: time? Yeah, I mean Ben, you're asking all the hard questions, right? And at, at, at this at this day, uh, pace, you know, people might think that uh, you know building a business is so daunting, nobody should do it, <laughs> right? I mean, there are lots of fun fun parts of the story, but yeah, the the Trans- transition was difficult right um it was it, it was difficult because I, I knew that i was always going to transition i think as far back as 2016 i had already started to think and believe that actually that the business needed a different kind of uh, a, a different kind of leader in uh, at, at, at that stage um but but actually nothing prepared me for the timing and uh And essentially, the sequence of events that sort of led to, 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 to that—you know—the just final jumping off the line. Um, I I think Bolaji's departure uh, took away something in my spirit, right? Like I, I, the—you know—I, I, I I never. It was one of those final moments. I just said, "Look, I mean, I look at 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and now this." I just felt that, look, I mean, this mission and this business has taken so much from me. Um, I, and in that moment, I didn't really feel, I didn't really feel good about the mission anymore. Uh, and the moment that happened, then I, it became very clear that, okay, then, then, then I, I probably just wasn't, uh, wasn't the right leader for, for the business for the next, next phase. Um, I think the, 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 having that feeling, I, 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 t- I, I took a break. I was so exhausted throughout that year. I hadn't taken leave for a c- couple of years, actually. Uh, so I was close to burnout, actually. When I think back in, in hindsight, I was actually... Burnt out. Yeah, I was headed to... I was basically running on empty, and I'd been for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's my, my wife that just said, look, Ken, you know, I think uh, this is the end of the road. Right? Like, I think, uh, I, I don't think that uh, that uh, hanging, staying on at cellular is now actually good for you, um, and not good for us as a family. Like, it's, it's uh, kids, are teenagers, and so on. Like, we have very little time with them before they go up to uni and so on. Uh, it's like, we want you back. Like, this business completely consumes you. Um, <clears throat> and um, I, I, And she made it clear that I... Generally, didn't have a choice. <laughs> 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 in very, in very colourful language, right? Like, uh, yeah, like this is the end of the road. Like, you just gotta do this, otherwise, uh, it, we just won't survive. So, so uh, I, I think when it was plainly put that way, it's like I think it became clear. Actually, she was absolutely right. Um, it, it was always somewhere at the back of my mind. I sort of had all kinds of rationalization to deny the fact, but she was actually right. And, and so um, I, I, I had a conversation about that, that day or next day uh, with a couple of guys, my chairman, who's a very good friend of mine as well, uh, and, and a couple of close friends, and, and Pfizer, who's uh, co-founder, is now responsible for tech. Um, it, I mean, across the group there was sort of mixed reaction about this stuff. I think everybody needed to, it was a shock, everybody needed to digest it. Um, and so the next day I think I put together a sort of short note to the board and and, uh, and uh, I slept over it for one more day and, uh, and, and it felt right. It felt like yeah. the right thing to do uh, and essentially it sort of kicked off uh, uh, the, the you know the series of things that essentially le- led me to uh, stepping away from, from day to day in May of 2021 so the the, the note I think I, I did that sometime towards the end of September 2020 yeah. yeah
1: yeah so what are you spending your time now doing are you hanging out in Lamu are you coming to the real beaches in Zanzibar or <laughs> where are you spending what, what are you doing with most of your time now
0: yeah, so I think uh, I think a lot of my time now is uh, shaped by again a very simple hypothesis. You know, out of my twenty years, so the way I look at I look at my journey at Cellulant, I said, okay, we had a great mission. We did a lot of great things. Yeah, right. Uh, we learned the things that we did right. We did through a, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. We also made an incredible amount of expensive mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, delayed decisions, uh, wrong decisions, taking calls where we left money on the table, burnt cash, all kinds of things. Um, we as founders also, uh, sort of not all founders made it to the finish line. Yeah. Um, and and then when you think about the net sum of all of that, um, is that we built fairly decent company over a long period of time. mm mm-hmm. Um, I think if we, we we think about the mission of the business was to build a business into a billion dollar business, probably
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh will be in maybe two to three years, that's my belief. Mm-hmm. Um uh so so the journey took like twenty five years maybe. Yeah. Uh sort of, you know, end to end to mission. Yeah. I asked myself, uh, you know, now that I've had time to reflect on the journey, could we have made fewer mistakes? Mm. Absolutely. Um uh, is it possible that um, that that uh, we could have done the same with less capital? Absolutely, mm. uh, with less wastage of capital and so on. Certainly, um, and 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 I think then that uh, could we as founders have made it alive? Absolutely, mm. and so there were things obviously that I can see that we c- could have done different. Uh, but hindsight is twenty twenty, and so what I my current mission and, and it's a. Company called Pani. Pani is uh, saying short short form from mopani. Mopani is, is a hardy tree that grows in only in Africa in the southern Africa region. In okay. the sort of arid, semi-arid uh, landscape, very hardy, very resilient, and, and its wing, it, it uh, leaves uh, look like wings of a uh, butterflies as which represents for you know, growth and so on. So resilience and growth and so on. And so PAN is about then basically, look, can can we be that sort of... It, I think one, one entrepreneur called us an institutional co-founder, like pan is like a, this eclectic mix of people that essentially become an institutional co-founder. Yeah. Um, so to, today we're a small team. It's myself, uh, Koi, my wife, who's a professional coach. Uh, I'm a sort of street coach. I, you know, yeah. I got my coaching things from the streets. <laughs> And, and Kenna, who's uh, an associate, who's a um, very good storyteller, very good with words, very good listener. Uh, and so what we try to do is just say, you know, if you're going to walk this journey, it's going to be, you're going to make mistakes and so on. Can we be that partner that sort of walks uh, uh, so deeply embedded mm. with the co-founding team, mm. walk across that journey and just uh, make sure they make fewer mistakes. Don't repeat some of the same mistakes we made, yeah. uh, probably be much more capital efficient and therefore end up with a little bit more equity with, with them. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, while we do that and also become sort of a, a large investor in the cup table, Nice. Uh, by investing very early yeah. and, and also bringing African capital, right? Uh, we generally tend to think that uh, because African capital understands the African context. Yeah. Uh, then you, you need a, a good part of it in the mix, right? Yeah. which is not the case today. Yeah. Um, and, and we think that then if we can do that uh, sort of for the next five cellulans, yeah. that, that it will it, it, be a journey worth, worth living, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just making sure that uh, they arrive alive, uh, they, they have a shoulder to lean on, a trusted uh, sort of advisor, mm-hmm. And then on the business side, we can actually sort of input their growth and so on and yeah. so forth and, and stuff like that. So that's what I do now. Yeah. I uh, sort of spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs, curating, trying to find these five. Yeah. Um, it's five because it's very hands-on. Right? Yeah. Um, so so we, we dedicate a lot of time to each founder yeah. and so on. Uh, and that's it. And uh, so in a sense, I spent the last uh, 20 or so years dedicating 100 percent, 110 percent of my time Mm -hmm. building uh, one business like Mm Celluland. So in this phase, uh, myself and a small team so dedicate, split our time across uh, you know five to ten you know sort of businesses with the same aspiration right, same value, same aspiration. So, with all these things
1: uh, and people that you work with today, yeah. you talk about the importance of having the right people at the organization. Mm-hmm. So, I'm the way I understand it is probably the people you're you're encouraging or advising the companies that you're helping. You're telling them the importance of hiring and hiring the right people at your organization. Yeah. What are your two most important tips that founders can learn from you about hiring?
0: I think after 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 trying and structuring uh, and doing all kinds of uh, different things in recruitment uh, by far the best hires you know and you know I think by far the best hires who are essentially the guys running the business today uh, are hired by gut, right and, 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 and you know sometimes gut doesn't sound too structured or too disciplined but actually a gut is an instinct for, I mean, you, you, as a founder, uh, you've got a mental map of where you want to go and, and a good appreciation of where you, what it will take. Because generally, you've probably served in most parts of the business. You are, so if it's technology, I've written codes. you have a sense of what that's going to look like. Uh, if it's commercial, you've been selling to customers, you have a sense of what's going to look like. So this thing called gut actually is a very clear mental map. Of actually what you need uh, and sometimes you and it's so crisp you can't condense it into an HR process and so on so you use the HR process to sift and so on but in the final thing you have to look at people in the eye uh, you have inter- you have to have a conversation interrogate and, and take a call um, on whether they're going to be fit for mission or not right um, so, so I think like always trust that right? like. can um, Uh, don't ever trade that for for a process. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that I think by far is probably one of my greatest learnings. The second one um, is that, um, you know, very early on when people come in, you know, like, okay, so you do the gut thing. By the way, you will always get it wrong at some point. Actually, maybe 50% of the times you get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I've seen is that, without a doubt, by week two, week three, mm. you already know that uh, it was a wrong hire. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, so when I look, it's like when I look at the right hires and I look at the right uh, wrong hires, like by week three, you already know. Mm. Um, the difference between that knowing and mm. when you actually correct it mm. uh, determines how much school fees you pay for that wrong hire. Wow and 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 in there is always a process of sort of a false sense of trying to be a good human being a false sense of trying to be fair uh and then and then you have this rationalization of saying okay i need to give them more time i do this and so on and you know even in my most decisive uh times it took six to nine months incredibly expensive Um, And so my theory is that by week three, if you know, I always say that it's actually always a very, it's actually fair to the person. Um, That because once you know, you begin to doubt and the moment you begin to doubt, you begin to hold back trust. And, And it is absolutely unfair, human to human, to sort of withhold, to be in a setup where we are, you're withholding trust, you start to do that. Mm-hmm. And actually it's not fair on the person. Uh, and, and I think so, mm. so founders actually, by week three, when you start to have a doubt, mm. I always say, don't walk, walk the journey of doubt alone. Mm. That's a point to start having a conversation of, hey man, yeah, or hey lady, I'm worried about, there's this stuff that I'm worried about, this yeah. is what I'm feeling about it. And even if it's sometimes you can't articulate
2: it, yeah,
0: you know, get them into the conversation. Yeah. right? Um, uh, because there's only good things that can, can come out of that. Right. I always say that the journey for success should be co-owned. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not. a OK, so I'm the boss, I'm making judgment whether you're doing a good job or not. Yeah. It's like both of you have a shared. It's a partnership to succeed. Right. For for the business, for the mission, but also as colleagues. Right. I like to, to enjoy working together to have mutual trust in some of the responses we are taking. Yeah. So I think um, Trust your gut uh, when recruiting. Uh, uh, two weeks in, three weeks in, trust what you see. Uh, and, and, and and if it's a no, then it's a no. And if it's a no, begin that engagement then. Don't don't walk the journey alone. Just get together and just say, wow. Jeez, I watched you the last three weeks. I am worried whether you're gonna make it. Yeah. This is, I think this is fine. Yeah. This is. is not okay. This is fatal. Yeah. Uh Am I fair? Am I seeing the right thing? Is that how you see it? Let's discuss it and so on and so forth. and And, and take that to its logical conclusion and yeah. correct it. and And then then have no fear about starting again. Yeah. yeah. So
1: Ken, you grew Sablean from one country to over eighteen countries across Africa. Out of the fifty four here, raised over you know fifty sixty million dollars in funding, and grew a team that you know creates so much value for multiple businesses, including our own, like Nala. There are so many wins along this journey, even though you've had many difficult moments, uh, especially the last several years uh, as a CEO. What has been one of your proudest moments uh, as you take a look and step back?
0: I think that's quite, that's an easy one to answer. I think, um, so first, you're being too generous on me, All right, Like, I think it's a, it, you are building is a team spot. Um, so... Uh, it, it's really a, so there's basically all of us of uh, the team and the team that's there, and a lot of other early people that were cellular and then went out to start their own businesses. So, so the building was actually always a collective effort. And, um, and I think that was the beauty of uh, the cellular, and that's what makes me very proud just the, the people that, uh, that are there, the people that uh, left and went into the working world, and so on. It's like cellular people are really special people. Nice. Uh, in their the approach to work, approach and the values and so on and so forth. And that, every once in a while, I get a text uh, of um, how influential we were in people's careers and that that, that makes me super proud of what we did. Yeah. What matters to you most in life and why? Um, uh, today's relationships. Uh, I think that's probably the most valuable asset um, I've built over time, right? I think the good thing about having these kinds of sort of uh Interesting mission uh, and, and tough times and so on. Uh, you you really come to appreciate the power of relationships. So uh, in the hard times, relationships were patient and they invested and they pushed uh, you know you across very difficult moments. And in the happy times, they were also happy for you and 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 so on. So so I value a lot of uh, relationships and uh, I think in this journey, I'm sort of very being very conscious and purposeful in, in nurturing them. Cool.
1: Quick fire round. Uh, you watch sports.
0: Do I watch sports? Yes. Uh, Occasionally. Which sport? Uh, Occasionally football. Okay, all right. Occasionally basketball. All right, right. important questions here.
1: (laughs) Ronaldo or Messi? Yeah? Ronaldo or Uh, Messi? No clue. No clue. No,
0: no a legend. I, like, I don't know what uh, I, the, what the fuss is about the two right, of them. Right, we'll keep it simple. I, I think the yeah. footballer I kind of liked was, uh, is it Ronaldinho? The guy with the yeah, guy long hair, yeah. Wrong, yeah, Ronaldinho, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I watch I like uh, a lot of, I, I, I liked his vibe. I watched yeah. a lot of his stuff. Yeah.
1: Why? All right. Important question. Gideri or Pilau? Uh, Pilau. All right. Feels La- exotic. Yeah, feels exotic. Yeah. Lamo or Zanzibar?
0: Um, Don't let me down. <laughs> <Don't> let <laughs> that me was down. a hard one. Uh, because I've had great experiences in both. Um, Zanzibar feels exotic. Mm. Yeah, Cool. Ken,
1: okay, it's such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank Go, you so much for to with the ecosystem and helping uh, build the continent. Uh, really happy that you're here today and keep going and keep pushing. I'll be cheering you on as much as I can.
0: Thank you, Benjamin. And uh, good to meet you. I've uh, followed your journey as well. So, yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers.